Welcome to the Making Connections podcast with your host, Spencer Raposo. This podcast was made to interview current registered kinesiologists in Ontario and talk to them about what they do and where they see the future of the profession going. The goal of the podcast is to get a conversation going about kinesiology as a regulated health profession in Ontario. Each episode, we'll bring on a new guest with loads of experience as an ARKIN that will share their story and any advice for any new ARKINs and kinesiology students about current opportunities in the field. This podcast is sponsored by Kinformation. Are you studying for the COKO ARKIN exam and need some guidance? Go to kinformation.teachable.com for a free study guide course on how to start your studying today. Link will be in the show notes below. Today we talk with Jane Gage. Jane completed her Bachelor of Science degree in Kinesiology from the University of Waterloo. She is a registered kinesiologist with certifications in ABA from the Geneva Centre for Autism, as well as certifications with CCAA, Yoga Instruction, BoneFit, and GLAD. She has facilitated movement programs with individuals who are living with chronic illness and disability since the inception of her career. Jane has a passion for helping individuals, young and old, reach their health goals and potential. In this episode, we talk a lot about coming back to your purpose and following your passions. You gotta love what you do, and Jane stands by that. Hi, Jane. Welcome to the Making Connections podcast. Uh, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, hi, Spencer. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here today. Awesome. So I know we have a lot to talk about based on our, our previous phone call. So I really just want to jump right into it and let you take the floor to tell us about how long you've been in Arkin then for. Um, well, I've worked as a kinesiologist for 29 years and I became a registered kinesiologist in 2016. So for the past four years, I've been working as a registered kinesiologist. Awesome. So 29 years, that's funny because that's exactly what I was talking about before that you've been practicing and working as a kinesiologist <laughs> for longer than I've been alive. So I hope a lot of the <laughs> listeners uh, can take a lot of your experiences and uh, listen to your background story and see all the, the zigs and zags that took you to where you are today. So um, starting from the beginning, I want you to kind of let us know how you got to where you are now. Um, well, I, I'm not sure if, if it's a typical journey, but I, I was interested in sports growing up. I was active um, in high school and uh, going into university, I was looking at a a couple of different things, nursing um, and, and different things like that, but it just didn't seem to exactly fit. And um, my sister actually was telling me about uh, someone that she knew that was in the kinesiology program at the University of Waterloo. And I, I was just very intrigued. And from that I applied and, uh, and that's where I ended up going was the University of Waterloo. And I graduated there in 1991. 
Jeez. And sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't even born yet. So that's, that's always the funny thing. 1991. I'm a 1993. So nice. So you, you graduated from Kin. Um, I think at the time, was it still kinesiology or was it like exercise science or physical education? At the University of Waterloo, it was kinesiology. Okay. Uh, there were, uh, I believe, Western and U of T. Um, thinking back, they they were still physical education. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe York as well. I can't remember exactly all, all of them, but Guelph. Guelph was definitely, uh, um, it was human kinetics, um, but a kinesiology program at that time. So there was about five or six core universities at that time. Yeah, I remember when I was doing my research initially, Waterloo was the first kind of place that kinesiology was actually right a subject of study. Um, so that's interesting that any of the people that came out of Waterloo, it was, it was really the first of its kind. Yeah, I think it started like late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, the first mm-hmm. graduating class was 86 or something like that. Jeez, nice. So you graduated in <laughs> 91. Um, like all students, did you know what you wanted to do or were you still trying to figure it out? Oh, I was definitely trying to figure it out. Um, At that time, I was thinking about going possibly into occupational therapy. Um, I had done some um, at at, in Kitchener at the hospital. I had worked in like some volunteer work at the hand clinic. So I was kind of leaning towards that a little bit. Um, But then I ended up getting a position in Hamilton at a day program as the kinesiologist for the day program and it was for uh, developmentally challenged adults and I had also done some um, summer work um, in London in within the same uh, type of respite time type of work um, so I that's what I chose to do for my first position was move to Hamilton and um, work as a kinesiologist in the day program there nice um, so you work there for a bit um, and that really semantic kind of that kind of population did you know that was kind of the population you wanted to work with from then on or was there or did you kind of move on to other kind of populations i did really enjoy working in that popula with that population but after about three years um there's a position that came available in mississauga at a physiotherapy clinic called physiotherapy one it's close to the credit valley hospital and uh, i heard some really great uh, things from about the physiotherapy clinic there and it was just something I wanted to expand my skills um, do a little bit of clinical work so I took a position there um, I guess it'd be 993 that 93 or 94 that I took a mm-hmm. position there nice yeah. and then there what, what was your what was your role and kind of what did you do there um, there, I worked um, providing exercise um, programs for MVA, um, WSIB clients, um, as well as sports injury, and working with like a team of uh, physiotherapists and kinesiologists and massage therapists. Um, I learned so much from the physios there, and uh, yeah, they it, it was a really great um, a really great side. Uh, path that I took in my career, um, just learning a lot from from all the different professions that were sure. there. Yeah, and I think that's one thing as much as um, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, and I've had other guests on the show talk about having kins work 
sometimes in a, in a physio clinic is as like a PTA role. Sometimes obviously it's not the best for the profession, but in terms of new students coming out of school, um, I think even for me, cause I was kind of in the same similar role for me coming up was I learned so much from the physios there um, uh, and from the massage therapists and just how, how a clinic runs. And I definitely could, have to thank that experience uh, because it taught me like you said like so much you learn when you're more in a team environment so uh, I definitely understand that because I definitely wouldn't be the kinesiologist I am now if I didn't have that kind of experience working in a team uh, multidisciplinary clinic um, that did like more MBA, WSIB and stuff like that. Oh, I, I completely agree with you, Spencer. Uh, it really teaches you how to work within a team. It really helps to develop um, skills around exercise prescription and education. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I was, I was very fortunate because I did have a role as a kinesiologist. Mm-hmm. And um, so that, that was very valuable for me and, and moving on from there. So. Nice. So after that, um, since you said you so many zigs and zags, I'm curious, what was what was next after that kind of opportunity? So after after that opportunity, then um, fo- began focusing more on family, uh, family life, and so I I had my first uh, child while I was still working at the physiotherapy clinic. And about a year after I decided to be more at home and more available, um, but also at the same time, I uh, founded a private clinic, or not a private clinic, sorry, a private practice, uh, where I was working again more with um, children and adults uh, with um, developmental challenges or acquired brain injury, Mm -hmm. going back more to that uh, type of work. Okay. And was that, um, just for me doing my own research, was that your engaged livability, livability that you kind of found it then, or was that something else? Uh, that, um, that has developed out of that. Okay. Um, it was just, it was very small, um, to, to begin with and, um, moving through that, that's where, um, I, I came up with the engage and live and ability, um, that little mantra for my my practice yes <laughs> nice so you were founded this kind of private practice you kind of finally took on the role as a mom um how how was that kind of juggling the two uh i found it to be a really nice balance personally um just to to have that time with my kids and most of my uh practice is in the evenings or weekends so if you're looking at that kind of thing, you have to be willing to um, be adaptable and to to take work when when it's available and mm-hmm. when it will fit with with whatever your family or your current life situation. So that's where it's been a little bit different. Is that um, it's not a regular like nine to five or eight to four yep. uh, job. I haven't. I don't think I've worked like that for a really long time. Um, but it's been very rewarding because I've been able to, um, you know, be around when my kids were younger and, but then also continue, um, working with clients and, um, just kind of fulfilling that purpose and that passion that I have for that type of work. And would you say that kind of passion kind of originally built when you were kind of working in that kind of day program? Is that when you kind of 
figured that that was like who you wanted to work with or was it something that you kind of knew about and then you grew into kind of being fond of that kind of population as you built that practice? I, I always wanted to work in that populate with that population. Sorry. And I, and I did. And then I, I moved into the more clinical and I really enjoyed, like I was saying, I really enjoyed, um, what I learned and the mentoring that I had from the team of professionals there, but I just found that I, I wanted to come back to, to that, that purpose and that passion that I had for working with individuals, um, that, uh, I, I see that I just really saw there was a need for uh, the, the movement and exercise support and education, education support and just focusing on their goals and needs and, and meeting them where they're at. Um, just that really client-centered focus. And a lot of my work is in home, so I will travel to individuals' homes and and. A lot of times that's that helps those individuals out um, it's maybe hard for them or families to get to all different activities or getting out of the house might be a challenge so it, it really helps to be able to be accessible to people in that way and mm -hmm. um, yeah it, awesome. it's been important for me no it's it's awesome to kind of hear that because that's where a lot of people may go astray um, just in general for work is they're working somewhere and maybe it pays better, but it's not where their passion lies. And it's, it's inspiring to hear yourself kind of create that kind of business where you're kind of following your passion at the same time, uh, because, you know, that's kind of that has, you feel you felt that it had more purpose and that's where your, your mind was. So that's awesome and very inspirational kind of hear that you kind of took that because a lot of people, especially young students, young adults in general, they're kind of taking any leap. It's really easy to just take that more kind of stable job. Maybe it's something you're not ideally in um, and to kind of take that leap. And especially with nowadays with how, how the world is, it's, it's definitely a lot more challenging to kind of have the confidence to do that. So. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it's not, it's not an easy path <laughs> by any means. Mm -hmm. And, and I think everybody has that journey. Um, up for their career just letting that in our lives it, it it's a journey and um mm -hmm. and as you were saying before it zigs and zags and sometimes yeah. it works better than others so yeah. it, it's good to know that and and you just have to you have to get manage those zigs and zags that's for sure mm -hmm. yeah. so speaking of zigs and zags after <laughs> you kind of kind of started that uh, small private practice being a new mother what kind of how long until you kind of zigged next what was kind of the next on your your background story so i since that time i've always continued um the the private practice evenings and weekends i've always continued that along and then when my kids were both in school um i have a son and a daughter and when they were both in school i i really wanted to continue working with children and uh that's at that time um to be honest i'm not sure if that's changed a lot um i would i guess that's something for the future um 
but I really wanted to work in some capacity with children. So I decided mm-hmm. to um, look at working with um, a school board. So I work with a school board and I work as an itinerant where I travel around. I'm not specifically working as a kinesiologist for the school mm-hmm. board, um, but I travel around to various schools and help supporting um, children uh, with intellectual or developmental uh, disabilities, helping them to be successful in the classroom. So looking at the environment, observing the environment, um, identifying um, ABA strategies, behavior strategies, um, looking at skill building, self-regulation, all those types of things, working in conjunction with teachers um, Mm -hmm. and and just providing whatever resources or strategies that might be helpful for children to be successful in the classroom. And I found that I use a number of things from my kinesiology background, um, especially movement-based, environmentally-based, skill-building-based, all of those things, uh, motivation, um, anxiety, uh, all of that comes into play in, in supporting students. So... That's been a really, really great challenge, and um, and it just supports kind of my whole passion and working with children and youth um, in For that sure. way. Yeah. I can definitely see why now you're interested in occupational therapy, um, because I know <laughs> a, a lot of occupational therapists will be working with that kind of um, cl- uh, population. I know, for example, my, my fiance, she is actually an OT, and um, during school I got to meet a bunch of her kind of uh, – colleagues and a lot of them are in different kind of sectors that work with children some of them do kind of school health and it's interesting to see that uh, I understand why you were looking into occupational therapy for sure yeah yeah yes and I I just wanted to note that there are um, kinesiologists that do work at as kinesiologists within school boards um, with return to work programs and, um, you know, the health and wellness uh, sections, departments of the school boards. So if anyone's interested in those kind of avenues, those those positions are available as well. Um, Do you know of any, um, like which school board that that does? Is the Waterloo Region District School Board uh, hire kinesiologists for kind of return to work stuff? Yes, they they do have kinesiologists on staff, and I'm not sure. Um, like, I'm not sure other boards might outsource that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know for the Waterloo board, they hire kinesiologists specifically for that. Awesome! I did not know that. That's something that for any of the listeners that maybe do want to work with that kind of young, um, um, younger population, um, that might be an avenue for them to kind of look into. Because I I didn't know that. I know. Um, me being on the other opposite side, working in more of a clinic setting that, yeah, we would take on different people from WSIB that was more return to work. But I, I didn't know that different uh, school boards actually t- had in-house kinesiologists for that. So that's really good to know. Maybe I'll have to find some and have them on the show so they can kind of chat with me about yeah. their experiences and that. So, so um, looking at that now, so would you say that's kind of brought us up to like today? Because um, you, or did you have other zigs and zags in between that we need to uh, we need to know about? 
no, no, those were the, the biggest zigs and zags. And uh, definitely, um, yeah, and it's just been, um, you know, working within those different roles and uh, different, different clients and just expanding my skills in both of those areas. Yeah. Um, and uh, for today, um, I am, I'm really happy in the last few months, I um, have um, been given a position as an advocate with Wilkin and mm-hmm. um, Becky Zuko. So I'm very excited to be working with them. Becky mm-hmm. Zuko and her lovely team are um, seeking kinesiologists across the country. Um, and they're uh, looking at, you know, programs for rehabilitation, corrective exercises and education um, that support chronic conditions. And their goal is to bridge that gap between clinical care and long-term health and to support kinesiologists along that way. So that's where I'm at today. And it's, um, it's just adding on to that, um, that work uh, with and that passion, focusing more on chronic um, disease and uh, that population of older adults. Okay. Um, so looking at today then in terms of um, getting a little bit more in depth about what you do currently in your role as a kinesiologist. So talking more specific about your private practice, um, I want you to let me know what um, would you say is a, a, a typical session with someone? I know obviously it's going to be very different based on the client, but I want to hear a little bit more detail in terms of what exactly you do in your role as a kinesiologist. Um, so in my role, it will be one-to-ones, um, and I'll either, in most cases, I'm traveling to an individual's home. Um, Mm. so initially, uh, those initial assessments and generally just looking at, uh, really identifying what the goal of the client is. So really getting a feel for where they want to see um, the biggest benefit from participating participating in any movement programs that I'm gonna provide for them, uh, what their, their challenges and those barriers might be. So okay. uh, that's, that's my main focus initially. And then all the while looking at that from that science-based um, aspect and trying to provide additional um, movements and, and program benefits that will help them achieve those goals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So looking at that, then um, being a, being a little bit more specific, um, how would you get? How do you get your referrals? Then is it do you have uh, different contracts with different employers? or different services, or is it based on like word of mouth? Like how do you um, get clients? So uh, some of it is through word of mouth. I do have some group programs that I uh, facilitate. So I facilitate some strength and balance programs with the city of Guelph. I uh, have taken um, yoga instruction so I have some uh, 55 plus yoga programs mm-hmm. um, yeah. that I that I um, provide and through that uh, it's word of mouth it's connecting with 
more community-based agencies uh, or uh, advertising through community-based agencies. So Kids' Ability for Children um, and Youth, uh, the Seniors uh, Center for, um, for Seniors advertising in their publications. Um, also community-based publications, they'll do some advertising through that. Um, Website-based uh, referrals, so I have on my website a way of contacting me um, in order to set up a, a, a first consult. Um, that's that's the main that's the main ways that I go about. It's more community based. It's also through um, like CMHA that kind of thing, um, connecting through those in, um, through those services as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think that's really important to know. Because obviously, I was I was curious as well how that kind of happens. Because yeah, most kinesiologists will be working in some sort of form of exercise therapy, um, but always it's how do you do that how how do people find you what kind of people do you work with and that those are always the questions that I get asked so that's why I was curious for you in terms of that so that makes sense because you are based in the community and you market yourself more through community-based agencies um, so that's for any of the listeners here that are thinking about doing something very similar and starting their own practice and working with those types of clients that they can know like oh maybe I'll communicate with the local or with the CMHA or local kind of community agencies to kind of see what people would be interested in these services and everything's like you uh, is is private right there are some things um, uh, what I'm not going to say tax sorry it's like through insurance or anything extended health benefits um, as well or is it all private based it's all or private based yeah okay yeah for the most part yeah 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 Okay. Yeah. So I was just curious in terms of that, because sometimes people can have contracts with different kind of communities or with uh, government run things, or they have extended health benefits that have kinesiology on it. Awesome. Yeah. So that kind of answered kind of those kind of questions about kind of what you do in your role. Um, so after the last 29 years, um, <laughs> I, I want you to give me uh, your kind of synopsis in terms of your experience so far. Um, uh, as a kinesiologist through the last 29 years? That's a big question, Spencer. Um, I know, I, I gave you the question before, you should be prepared. I, I know, <laughs> and, I, and I was thinking. <laughs> um, overall, um, I, I think that, uh, I know it, it, it might sound, um, you know, I, I don't know, uh, but the whole passion and purpose has really been a motivator for me. And um, even going through different maybe trials or different zigzags, I always kind of come back to what why it is that I'm doing what I'm doing. And that I do feel that um, with our unique skills as kinesiologists and um, our education, that there is that path and there is that need and um, and just the the differences that it makes in um, in the clients that I've been serving that just to help even access more activities or be more active in their communities so just thinking specifically about the clients that I serve that's been really valuable to me so I think that's really helped 
through some of those trials and tribulations mm-hmm. um, because it can be challenging um, blazing that that new path or a different path right just something that looks a little bit different mm-hmm. um, but it's always I think it's always important to come back to the why right why why is it that you're you're moving in this direction so for sure I think that's that's really helped me along the way for sure yeah and that's that's awesome advice which I'm sure you'll you'll share with us at the very end too that yeah at the end of the day you need to be happy and you need to be doing things that bring purpose to your life um, and make you feel fulfilled so that's definitely something that a lot of us hope one day can um, find something that kind of brings them that joy um, and that they can help different people so awesome so in terms of um, now just having a little bit more of a conversation looking at um, where you kind of see the future of kinesiology going as a profession. And again, looking at from your lens with that 29 years experience, um, where do you see it going? Um, so looking specifically through my lens, and this isn't, this won't be for, for all, but I, I personally would really like to see uh, and for myself even to venture more into mental health supports, um, maybe looking specifically at anxiety and depression. Um, there's just so much evidence supporting um, that holistic approach of sleep and exercise and nutrition. So really just I'm trying to hone in on some more skills that way, some more nutrition and more education sleep base wise mm-hmm. to support individuals that with anxiety or depression. I kind of, that's kind of my future, future goals um, for my practice okay. and just really working with, um, you know, indivi- the supporting of talk therapy and pharmacology, just, just to round that whole, all out more as a multidisciplinary type of thing. So that's where you kind of see the future of different kinesiologists going is we're going to be working more in more holistic kind of approach, more mental health, more of that is where you kind of see it going. Um, I, I'm not sure if that will be everyone's path. Um, I know, I know I, that's something that I can see. I, I would like to venture more into, um, mm-hmm. In terms of a more of a general, I would see um, chronic health, chronic conditions, working with chronic conditions. Um, I, I think there's a real need and um, I, I think that right now that's, that's an avenue for um, kinesiologists that are just starting out. That would be a great avenue for them yeah. to venture into. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. On every podcast episode, everyone brings that up that they see that going work kinesiologists working more with chronic uh, diseases, whether that's prevention and management. So I can definitely see that that's a, that's a trend and I hope that that could continue. And I know that firsthand um, and in the last month or so, I, I was hired by a company to kind of start a more of a chronic disease prevention management program in London, Ontario. So it's, it's, funny because I legitimately the last podcast all of them it's been oh this is going to happen this is going to happen and then I was recently hired to kind of start one so I was like okay yes it is really is happening and it is the thing because I know um, the last few years I've had different western students um, 
have placements and um, I was their supervisor and a lot of them had questions and were interested more in that chronic disease health and wellness overall holistic view. So it's interesting to kind of see how that is coming about now, um, whether that is more COVID kind of meet people being a little bit more aware of their health and not taking it for granted as much, um, or if it's people just finally getting that education um, from following all these sources online that, yeah, they need to exercise, they need to eat better, they need to sleep better, et cetera. So it's interesting. Um, and I hope that it continues that way because we have all this knowledge and especially as kinesiologists, we can help all these people kind of live longer, live better um, and so on. Yeah, that's that's fantastic, Spencer. That's that's really exciting. And and I think that's um as a profession, um, that's where we need to really try to um, educate the public on our skills and our knowledge and, and what we can provide in that way to really mm -hmm. help support the profession. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I was, I was talking with another individual on a podcast and we were talking about how it's, it's difficult to promote the profession because kinesiologists do do so much. Um, so it's, all, it's also, uh, I mean, double-edged sword that it's awesome that we're very versatile. We can work in all these different fields, but also it doesn't allow us to have a single identity. Um, and I think that's one of the main barriers that kinesiologists have is because we can work in so many places, our, our everything's scattered, right? We don't have one consistent message that we're talking with to the public. Um, and so people's perceptions of kinesiologists are based on their only experience with the kinesiologist in that specific setting. So whether that's working with a kin in a rehab setting or working with a kin um, as a personal trainer or working as a kin uh, with a kin who does more corporate wellness for your health and wellness uh, program at work, right? So it's trying to find one kind of message, one real niche that we hone in and target as our own. Um, and then obviously be like, yes, this is our main quotations um, work that we do, but we do also offer this, this, and this. And I think that is one way that we can grow as a profession and really hone in on that more exercise is medicine uh, and be that kind of go-to person for when people have chronic diseases, people have high blood pressure, diabetes, how can they manage it? Yes, they can do pharmaceutical um, route and kind of manage it, but how do they kind of help um, it as well? Um, and that's where the exercise and uh, nutrition and lifestyle management comes into play. So I believe, yeah, that's where kinesiologists can really be the, the head of that kind of movement. And especially with all the baby boomers, right? It's uh, the population's getting older and older. And, um, and at the same time, as much as trying not to think about it that way, but that's also where all the money more is, right? Um, and those individuals that want to potentially take their take care of their health. And again, it's emphasized more with COVID. And I'm definitely seeing that here uh, in the programming I'm doing and the people I'm talking to. A lot of people are, are, are waking up a little bit more now and understand that they need to take care of themselves now for the future. Um, so as long as that message is kind of continued, I hope that us as kinesiologists can kind of help those people um, make healthy lifestyle choices and, I mean, um, help their overall vitality sort of thing. Right, right. And and it's just that support in, in um, 
sifting through all the information that is out there for people to access and and helping to zero in on what's going to be best for that individual mm -hmm. so really bringing it back to the client and um, and I think as kinesiologists, we, ha we have the ability to do that mm -hmm. and, and really um, help empower and help bring individuals from that, that feeling of more disability to more wellness mm -hmm. and For sure. um, just looking at it from that perspective. No, yeah. I agree. Being more preventative and a prehab sort of approach. So. Yeah. Um, as we start to finish off the episode here, uh, I wanted to leave some time for you to kind of share any advice you have for any of the kinesiology students who are listening, whether they're in third, fourth year, or they're graduated, or they're looking at writing an exam or have recently written the exam. I know the exam for some of them got moved from April to September, so a lot of them are actually writing in the next two weeks, so maybe they'll listen to this after. Um, but in terms of advice, um, what advice would you give for any kind of kinesiology student or prospective Arkin? Um, I think, I think if you're a student or or a prospective uh, registered kinesiologist, I think you always want to have that mindset that you it will be a, a journey of continually learning and accessing skills. Um, I, I think that's an important um, concept to to maintain coming out of out of university that you always want to be building on your skills and building on your knowledge and and trying to find that niche but not being afraid to to try different things to find to to access skills to help support your career um, if you're looking at just coming out of school and you're you're setting up to write the exam um i know that there are a number of um support like online support um programs out there so i think that is fantastic to, if you can if you're able to access one of those to help you through mm -hmm. um because that helps you to establish a network it gets you going on the idea of a network and mm -hmm. um and connecting with other professionals and and maybe even a mentor through that that those would be um, my highlights um, coming out of school it's just that continued skill building and learning and networking to move you forward for sure awesome those are great kind of words of advice so before we finish then uh, the podcast I wanted to just go through a, a couple of other kind of resources for kins that you can kind of name off the top of your head um, as we finish off the episode here. So are there any kind of books, um, whether that's textbooks, whether that's nonfiction fiction that you kind of recommend for uh, any kinesiologists listening? Um, well, if anyone is interested in, in working with um, children and youth or more anxiety, um, I, there's a book, it's called Spark. It's by Dr. John J. Ratty, um, R-A-T-E-Y, uh, and it's how exercise will improve the performance of your brain. That's that's an interesting read, and it, it looks more at um, the benefits, the scientific-based benefits of exercise with anxiety and depression. And um, then there's another book, Smart Moves, uh, by Carla Hannaford, and it's why learning is not all in your head. And it just really, um, it just really highlights the importance of movement um, on young with young children, and specifically 
developmentally, right from zero to um, and and on, mm-hmm. and the importance of all of those things. So I would those two I would highly nice. recommend if anyone's looking at that. Yeah, I'll definitely um, make sure I spell the names right after the podcast and put links for those uh, in the notes for anyone who are interested. Um, and then on top of that, is there any like different courses that you would recommend for people that want to get also get in sort of this kind of uh, line of work? Um, I, if there's if you're looking at uh, some courses that I've done recently are um, focusing more on primitive reflexes, mm-hmm. um, that's an interesting. There's some interesting courses out there on that, um, and then just looking at that more holistic base. Um, for me, I'm working on a nutrition course, uh, and just trying to access more knowledge through that. It's a registered certification. Um, so that might be something that people would be interested in as well. Nice. Um, and then to finish here, any sort of people of interest or big influences in your life that kind of motivate you or have motivated you or currently uh, continue to motivate you to kind of do what you do? Um. I would say, <laughs> I would say, um, my clients, um, I would say some that my clients really motivate me to keep, um, learning and to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, because I really want to, to support them the best that I can. Um, and early on in my career, working at the physiotherapy clinic, as we talked before, um, just that, that team building and, um, the clinical base and working in that multidisciplinary environment. Um, that was, that was a very valuable experience for me. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I think that is it for today in terms of the episode. I really, really, really appreciate you taking the time out today to kind of, um, chat with us and share your journey and, um, your background um, obviously is really unique in terms of you've been practicing as a kinesiologist and had your private practice for the last 29 years. And then even the population that you serve and work with is, is very unique um, compared to like a lot of kinesiologists that I speak with. So working with more developmental um, um, disorders or um, populations and such. So um, definitely if anyone has uh questions for you um what would be the best place to contact you would it be like your linkedin or if uh your email what would be the best way to find you Uh, either way through linkedin or through my email okay and i'll make sure to link all that again in the show notes and in uh the show notes for the episode so jane thank you so much like i said for coming on the podcast uh today you were you were an awesome guest thank you spencer it was great to be here Thank you so much. And lastly, I just want to say thank you to all the listeners. Thank you guys for taking your time out today to listen to this full episode. I look forward to releasing more podcast interviews in the near future. If you know of any other registered kinesiologists that would be an awesome fit for this podcast, please email me at makingconnections at gmail.com. Also, any other comments, questions, concerns can be directed at our Making Connections LinkedIn or Facebook page. Both are at Making Connections Podcast. And like I said before, links for all these, all the courses, all the books, anything we talked about today will be in the show notes of the podcast. So again, thank you for listening. Have a great day and stay safe out there from the Making Connections team.